Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Andy Kramer. And I'm Al Harris. And we're about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. It's me, Mike Vardy, and I am joined on this episode by Andy Kramer and Alton Harris. They are distinguished attorneys. They're married to each other and they're co-authors of the book we're going to talk about during this conversation, Beyond Bias, The Path to End Gender Equality at Work. For decades, Andy and Al have tackled gender bias in the workplace through speaking, workshops, articles, blog posts, podcasts, one-on-one consulting, and engagements with national and international business and professional organizations. They've appeared in a variety of publications, the New York Times, Harvard Business Review, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Chicago Tribune, Fast Company, and many more. They also provide practical techniques that women, men, and organizations can use to prevent the gender stereotypes and the biases that flow from them from slowing down or derailing women's careers. This is a great conversation. It's one that is, frankly, needed, and I'm glad I'm able to bring it to you today. So here it is, my conversation with Andy Kramer and Alton Harris. Enjoy. Thanks to both of you for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. Um, whenever I have a conversation with two people, we do a bit of back and forth. So it's going to be, and I love having the, the video. We actually record these for the listeners that don't know. We keep the camera on so that way we can see each other and all that. And so it'll be a bit of a, what do we call it? Directing traffic a bit, just to make sure we're not tripping all over each other. But the book that I'm looking at right now in my hands by both of you, Andrea and Alton is, is, is Beyond Bias, The Path to End Gender Inequality at Work. Uh, first question I have, and and I'll I'll start with you. Um, I'll start with you, Andy. Is is this where are we when we're thinking about this in terms of bias? Uh, you know, and in terms of how having these biases can affect how productive we are in environments. Let's say we're looking at a large organization. Where, it, as I went through the book, it seems like. We, we seem to think that we're making progress when we're not making as much progress as we'd like to think. Is that in and of itself a bias? Like the fact that we're thinking we're making the progress, but we're not anywhere near where we need to be? I'd love to hear, hear some thoughts on that. Well, that's an interesting question because, um, sure, um, uh, we all have, um, uh, we're familiar with the status quo and we like to think that, you know, we're comfortable with it. Um, uh, but there's a lot of talk about how things have changed and how great it is. But in reality, uh, things were on the up and up for many years until the mid 90s. And then everything kind of screeched to a halt. And so what we really see is that 
sure, it is a bias that we want to believe that um, uh, our organizations are fair and and everything is going to be operating smoothly and without any bias. Maybe I could put that little light spin on that. Sure. It's, to think that we're not making progress is to condemn our own organization. It is to criticize the environment that we're in because it really says something's wrong. We're not getting this right. And none of us wants to do that. And so we do. We have a prejudice against the assumption that we're not doing a good job. What led you to saying that this is the time for this book to come up? Because you've got a framework here. We're going to talk about the path in a little bit, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask you where, wh at what point for you both, was it like, we need to get this out here now for people? Well, we have two prior books, uh, breaking through bias and it's not you, it's the workplace. Both of those are really directed towards women dealing with environments in which gender bias is prevalent. That is, it's, it's advice about how to cope with the world as it is. And we reached a point at which we said, okay, we've about exhausted the advice we have for women for coping with this environment. We've got to put out something for environment changers. What can we do to take all of this burden off of women and put it where it really belongs, which is on the companies that they work for? And that's what we decided to do. And that's why this book is coming out now, because we think it's time that we put the focus squarely on the companies where these women are trying to succeed. When I talked with Alan Henry and he was talking about like, again, exclusionary and, and treatment that um, minorities were getting and, and he, and Alan's a black, black author. I've, he's worked for life hacker. We'll link to that episode in the show notes. Um, it, it was one of those things where I was listening to him talk and it's very, as, as somebody who is definitely, you know, part of that, like white male, you know, middle class kind of gen X it's, how does someone, and, and that's why I asked that first question. Uh, I don't run a massive organization, but I know that there's lots in that are in my kind of demographic that are in those positions. Um, how, and we're talking about going beyond bias and breaking bias. And I'll, I'll ask you, Andy, to, to start with this one. How do, how do, how do you get them to, to, and the prioritization part is right. That first letter P how, how do they get involved without feeling like, let's say, shame or regret or even um, because it's easier to bury that stuff sometimes and say, you sure. know what, I'm not. So what what are some of the things that they can do to kind of realize, hey, yeah, this I can't this can't either a, be ignored or buried or pushed aside. And it's I, I can do something about this and it doesn't have to be monumental. I can just do these things and it's going to make, you know, um, measured progress. Well, I think you've you've really pointed out, um, you know, a key piece of it, which is that if you just say to somebody, don't be biased and you wag your hand at them, then um, all you're going to do is get their backs up. 
Right. And they're not going to be able to change anyway, because bias is an unconscious. What we're talking about here, we're not talking about the intentional. Well, I don't uh, like anybody who's purple polka dotted, so I'm going to you know, discriminate against purple polka dotted people. We're talking about people who want to do the right thing. And so one of the issues that comes up is that um, uh, people need the tools. And that's really what we're trying to do, both in our first two books, where although they're addressed to women, they actually can be very valuable for men as well. Um, as to how to deal with uncomfortable or biased situations. We all experience them, uh, just different spin. Uh, and so um, the very first step, the easiest step is the P for eliminating exclusionary behavior. And what happens is very often we don't understand how other people might be feeling. And so one of the easiest things to do is to think about what can I do to reach out to somebody who's different from, from the way I am. And even just small gestures, as you suggested, we call those small wins, can make an enormous difference in how we can interact with each other. And at the same time, we have to keep in mind that it's not a zero sum game. It's not a, if I go up, that automatically means that Mike Vardy goes down. Right. That's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. And we have to uh, make it clear to people, um, you know, the men in particular, that by helping and working to create gender equality, it really benefits everybody. It's not a you know, let's help the women kind of a project. It's really something to help everybody in their careers. It's funny, as as we're going through this conversation, literally the conversation I had before the conversation with you was was about uh, leadership and the importance of, and meta leadership. We'll link to that episode in the show notes as well. And I couldn't help but think one of the things that came up during that conversation, and, and I'll hear both your thoughts on this, I'll start with you, Al, is this idea that people... And I'm gonna I'm gonna use a generic term because a lot of people love to just be able to check off the boxes, right? It's one of the reasons why we don't meditate, why we don't journal, because it's not something that's just you can't just say I'm done. I'm done with my reflective practice. Check, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, it seems to me that how how do you keep that from happening in situations like this? And and we're gonna move through the path for sure. But as we're talking about this, I'm like I don't want. I don't want anyone to walk away from this. And I, I'm not saying that any listener is going to and say, well, I'm going to be able to check this off my every day. It need, uh, how does someone prevent that line of thinking, especially those people who are driven achievers? They're used to quantitative checking off the boxes. Look, I did these 14 things today, including breaking through my biases. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that to kind of ch change the mindset around that. Well, part of that is to put the focus on eliminating bias, making workplaces fair in the context of other fundamental workplace goals. That is, we don't think about uh, making companies more profitable and check that box. We don't think about making companies more digitally responsible or integrating AI into their workflow and check that box, those are ongoing, constant efforts that companies need to be attuned to. 
Those are strategic goals that require focused attention over long periods of time. And we need to get people to recognize that making workplaces fairer, more equal, uh, and more equitable for everyone in them is of the same sort. It's an ongoing, continual effort. And it can't be a check the box. There isn't a one thing to be done and you're, you're finished. And so we try to emphasize that these are small wins after small wins after small wins, but the small wins don't ever stop. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It sounds to me like, in Andy, I'd love to hear, it's like it's a qualitative mix, which is harder to measure. Like people want their OKRs and their KPIs and all that stuff. And it's not, it's, you know, you're not going to get, inbox zero is like a, the vanity metric of productivity. And that is why? Because you can count it. I got 363. But in this case, it's not like I, I kept my bias in check for or for whatever reason. I was reading a book recently about. <laughs> but How I, many gold stars do you think you deserve for today, right? I've been reading a book by Chuck Wendig called Gentle Writing Advice, and he talks about processes and and writing is a creative pursuit. And he says, you know, it's survivorship bias. So like, oh, I kept survivorship bias because we have so many. There's, um, I'll share, I'll share a link to this. And, and I don't know if you've explored this, but uh, relating to other bias, we're, I'm mm -hmm. going broader here, but there's an sure. app called Pocket Biases. And if you actually download that and look at all the biases that are there, it's 
astounding. Like we have them facing at each other all the time. So it's like, to me, it sounds, it's, it's like being a gardener and weeding, right? Like, it's not like you're ever going to not be done. Right. I well, think you're right. Yeah, yeah. You're never going to not be done except that what, what we have to do and why we have to make change is that organizations are spending enormous amounts of money on trying to improve diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, um, pick your, um, you know, the uh, abbreviations, mm. the, the whatever. Um, and the reality is that money is being thrown away when it's not solving the problem. And so if we want to talk about what organizations need to do, ways for them to um, uh, effectively use their resources, then it's not going to work. It doesn't work to get a group of people in a room and say to them, here's your stereotypes, here's biases, don't be biased. And so um that's what that's what most of the training today is all about and that's not solving the problem so in many ways um people are 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 tired burned out about dei issues and so as to your question previously about you know why now well because we haven't been able to move the needle we haven't been able to make the changes that need to be made Yet enormous amounts of money are being devoted to make the to supposedly make those changes. And so we need to shake it up. And that's really what we're proposing to do. And as I'm going through the book here, the path, the A stands, and this is where the people who are like method driven and want processes and frameworks, which will help uh, adopt discrimination resistant methods of personnel decision making. So can we go into that a little bit and what, where that comes into play? Cause it, once you've got the prioritization of eliminating, then you can start to put these practices and these methods into play, right? That's right. Um, well, right now, most organizations uh, have a process for making personnel decisions. Now by personnel decisions, I mean decisions about hiring, decisions about who gets what responsibilities, decisions about who's on what team, decisions about compensation, promotion. That is, decisions about people's careers. And those decision-making processes are typically based on managers' instincts. They have to do with what I feel is right. what I I know I'm a person of goodwill. I can evaluate who's doing a good job, who isn't, who deserves a raise, who doesn't, and I'm going to make those decisions. And organizations leave those decisions in the hands, mostly of middle management. And what we've found is that those decisions, when they are made with the manager's instincts, when they are made with their gut. They are made with unconscious stereotypes, unconscious biases. So that what we need to do is find methods to change the way in which those decisions are made. Not the goodwill of the managers, but the processes that the managers have to go through in order to make those decisions. And so we have seven types of changes that can be made, uh, seven ways that those personnel decisions can be made 
I won't say bias free, but I will say bias resistant. Right. So that the biases of individuals have much less chance of influencing who gets promoted, who gets that uh, responsibility, who's on what team. I'm looking at it, and it, it's interesting as you're talking about this, the gut, the instinct. It's not like that gets removed. It just, there's parameters from the sounds of it that get applied so that no one, lo- for la- uh, this is again being very general, no one, quote, loses. Like, it, it's more, well, more equitable. Does that sound right, Andy? Does that sound right to you? Uh, yeah. Um, part of the issue is that since we know that we can't tell people don't be biased and their bias is going to go poof. What we need to do is um, we need to put guardrails around sort of these decisions so that biases don't interfere with the decisions as to who's going to get hired or otherwise. So, for example, if you think about um, uh, who's going to get an interview, well, it turns out that the studies show that if you just take people's names and genders off of their uh, resumes, miraculously, women get invited in for more interviews than they would if their name was on it. Mm. And they've got some really interesting studies where it's the exact same resume with John or Jane. And the John gets all the job interviews and the people are, um, uh, the professors who are reviewing them are happy to say that what they would pay him and John would get paid a lot more than Jane uh, if she's even lucky enough to get invited in and they're prepared to mentor John more so that they view the exact same resume as being unequal just by virtue of the name. And there's studies which show the same thing about ethnic names. And so one of the things is if you can just get somebody an opportunity to get their foot in the door, then they have a better chance. But if they are immediately excluded unintentionally, then, you know, you're not just hurting them, but you're hurting the organization as a whole. I'm going to deviate it before we get back on the path see what I did mm-hmm. there, is uh, we talk about distributed workforces, remote. That's been a big thing over the last few years. I was at a conference uh, in April of 2023 talking about remote work. Mm-hmm. Is this, Are there elements of virtual or remote work that either get exacerbated or even downplayed a bit because of, again, there? I wouldn't say it's an equal playing field. It's not, but like, because they're not in the same room, what what have you found happens there? Remote work is 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 a tricky subject for a couple of reasons. One, it turns out that when offered the chance to work from home, women take it more than twice as often as men. That is, women want far more than men to be at home. And that's for all kinds of reasons, primarily because they have more home responsibilities than men. Um, But that also means that if you've got remote work and women are utilizing it more than men are, it means that men are in more frequent face-to-face contact with their bosses, with the leaders, with the drivers of the company's uh, decision-making. 
And so the women are excluded even more than they would if they were in the office. And so when workplaces go remote, they need to make extra effort to be certain that those people who are not in the office are not further eliminated from thought, They're, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Right. Uh, and so organizations need processes again, mm -hmm. not just relying on managers' goodwill, but they need processes to be sure that those people who are not in the office are in constant contact with their managers, are supervised, uh, their work is under review, they are given feedback so that they don't fall behind. But what we know is the women do fall behind when they work from remotely. If so, the men are all in the office. Yeah. So right. uh, we're a, I'm a, a mixed mind on remote work. Um, it's a blessing and it's a curse. Yeah, it, which, yeah, I totally get that. Actually, and it lends in nicely to the T, treat inequality in the home as a workplace problem. I, it, As somebody who talks about productivity practices and improving your relationship with time, I know a lot of people, they'll take their method, whatever they use, their framework at work, and then when they get home, they leave it at, they leave it at the office. So they'll be like, well, whatever I do at work if I'm following priority levels or whatever method they're using, time crafting, perhaps when they get home, they're like, okay, I can do whatever I want. And then they go, well, wait, I didn't get anything done. Right. Because they, they just stopped. What, what I love about this is it's like, no, this is a, to, to our earlier point, this is a continuance. It's a pro it's a, it's ongoing. Andy, I'd love to, can we dive into this a little bit? Because I think this is a piece that is probably more integral or important than people might realize at first blush. Well, when we were um, developing the, the the PATH program, um, the issues about treating workplace um, a problem as um, what's the inequality at home, uh, there's a couple of different moving parts here. One of them is that we're not in any way talking about the decisions between a couple as to whose career is going to be more important. There are those sorts of negotiations and conversations that go on all the time. Sure. And that's not something that an, an organization has any control over, and we're not suggesting that they do. But what we are talking about is the fact that there's a lot of women who want to succeed in the workplace and have the same dreams and aspirations as men do. Um, and if they go home and the expectation is that they're the one that's supposed to pick up the dry cleaning, make sure that the kids are fed, all of this stuff, the guy comes home and he puts his feet up and he watches the football game. Well, that's great, except that he's also probably going to have more time to um, schmooze the the senior leaders of the company and whatnot, and she's going to be uh, put in a uh, disadvantaged situation. And so, you know, we're not talking about how how people need to change their home life. Uh, that's way beyond what what um, uh, an organization can, right. can talk about. But what we are doing is there's got to be better reduced time, flexible time schedules. There's got to be more support for uh, maternity and paternity leaves. There's got to be more efforts given for child care and child care support, because it turns out that 
of all of the, um, you know, sort of industrialized countries, the United States is the only one. I mean, we are, we're like a, a, a joke compared to everybody else. We don't have the mandatory um, childcare. We don't available available childcare. We don't have uh, paid maternity and paternity leave. In many places, you don't get a leave at all. It is shocking uh, to me because I'm Canadian. And I, that's how I, when, my, when we had our kids, the second, when we had my son, my kids have no idea that, you know, like I was the one that was, went from home. I, I mean, I used to go to the summit called the dad summit when it was around. And there mm-hmm. were a lot of guys who were like, we would love to be able to, and even the, you know, the, the leave for women when they like, they're back to work so quickly. It's just, it floors me. Um, I'm sure I'm not alone, but obviously it floors you too. <laughs> but I, but I think to to that end, the reason I brought that up isn't just like, Hey, to take the frameworks, but it's almost like the mentality, right? Like if you're, if you're coming home, I mean, I can tell you, you know, I mean, we, it's fascinating to me that like, that's just the way we operate here to a degree. It's it's, which is great. And actually I was at a conference in Boise, like just days before we were having this recording and Bonnie Christine, who is a speaker said, if you're going to delegate stuff, you should start with the stuff at home. Like the person, like get, you know, have a housekeeper, like have someone come in and do the housework, the lawn maintenance, things like that. So that you could focus on your business, on the things outside and those things, interestingly, are easier to get people that are qualified for than some of the other roles that you might want to hire, quote, a virtual assistant or a team member for, because people generally know how to do laundry and, you know, clean up and stuff like that. But no one, they, it's funny, people think that, they think about that last, which is. Well, well that's a, a part of the stereotypes and the biases as well, which is that somehow, um, you know, the woman is supposed to be the one who knows how to do all this stuff. I mean, um, I can share with you all sorts of stories. A, a, a lawyer that I that I work with uh, ended up she ended up getting divorced. Why? Because she wasn't the one who put cooked the rice. She was Indian and she wasn't the one that got home in time to get the rice cooked. And so I said to her one day, I said, tell me, how, how, uh, tell me, how do you what what goes what's involved in cooking the rice? And she said, you put it in a machine and you push a button. I'm like, okay, but that was enough for him. That was it. And so, um, you know, you have to, you have to play the hand that you're dealt. Um, But having said that, um, there's a lot of expectation that somehow um, women need to understand that they don't have to be the one who cleans the toilets and does the does picks up the dry cleaning there's a you know if if you're in a job that you could afford to have help to offload some of that stuff sure in in our first book beyond uh, breaking through bias the last chapter is precisely on this point it is that um, if women are going to free up that time one to your point, Mike, they need to be more efficient at home. But two, they can hire people. We are talking about people in careers. We're not talking about people who are, uh, you know, uh, in hourly, in hourly wage sure. jobs. You can hire someone to take care of your kids. And many women that we deal with say, oh, I wouldn't trust my children with anyone else taking care of them. They need my attention. Well, 
when Andy and I raised our daughter, our motto was, we, there can never be too many people who love her. And we tried to surround her with a great many people so that our time was productive, so that we could be able to be there for her when she really needed us, but that we could be there for ourselves when we needed to do so to advance our careers. As we get close to wrapping up, I definitely want to be respectful of your time. Um, the H, which is the, and it was funny, I was on a call with uh, some of the members of my community, and one thing that came up is somebody was working on performance review. And we've had this conversation before where it's like, if you bit by bit work on that performance review over the course of the year, instead of, oh, it's due, let me do, I'm like, you're going to, number one, it's like doing taxes. It's way easier to do it extended because number one, less mistakes. Number two, you're not going to miss things. Number three, recency bias won't take hold in that instance. Same thing with, so this H is for halt, unequal performance reviews, career advice, and leadership opportunities. Um, Andy, let me let's, talk, yeah, let's yeah, go let into that. Start, yeah. Yeah, this is actually how we got started on diversity um, uh, and inclusion issues in the first place. Mm. Um, when I served on the compensation committee of my former um, firm, I now have my own law firm, but um, a huge organization. And I was on the compensation committee and reading all these self-evaluations and the men would write, I am a total rock star. I did X, Y, Z. And the women would write, I was on the ABC team and I worked with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And so what was happening is the men were making all the money and the women had been the ones who had come up with the ideas that saved the client the money. But the reality was that they weren't presenting themselves. And so the very first thing that I wrote was about self-evaluation do's and don'ts. And waiting to the last minute is a terrible mistake. So you're right about that. Uh, but um, from the performance review side, the senior people who are reviewing the women and the men, what happens there very often is that their biases get in the way. Well, um, he's a go-getter, but she's too aggressive. Oh, right. Or he's he's juggling a, a full plate, and but she can't manage her schedule. You know, I mean, the exact same behavior is perceived differently. And what we found was that when we changed the performance reviews so that people were getting um, scored on core competencies as opposed to open-ended, well, I just don't think he's got what it takes kind of questions, miraculously, we found that the women were advancing in their careers um, uh, much more than they they were under the old system of open-ended just let them have at it, let their biases flap them in the breeze. As we, get, as we get close to wrapping up, I think this is a key time to talk about putting it all together. So Al, like all, all of the path, you put it all together. What is the, uh, like, first off, and I mean, I know people are going to ask like, what, how long, like how much of this path going through it repeatedly does it take before you've seen it start to you both have start to seen it kind of take hold and then secondly what's the best thing that someone can do to start going down the path today well let's let's take the first um i mentioned earlier that this process needs to be 
thought of in terms of the way that organizations think about major organizational changes of other sorts. That is, what we know from a number of consulting firm studies is that about 70% of fundamental change initiatives that companies undertake fail. They don't work. Companies try to make changes in their culture. They try to make changes in the way in which they produce product, or they try to make changes in their sales techniques, and they don't get there. The little primary reason that they don't get there is that they don't prepare their people for the change. And so the first thing that really needs to be done is that organizations that want to change need to enlist their middle managers, the people that really run organizations, they need to enlist their middle managers in this change initiative. They need to make those people, bring those people along so that they are enthusiastic supporters of the change, so that they can see the benefit of making the change happen. If we can get the middle managers in major corporations to buy into this, we're 90% we're of the way there. This has been a great conversation. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. The book is called Beyond Bias, The Path to End Gender Inequality at Work. Um, Andy, where can people keep up with you, the work that you're doing, and uh, and, and and get the book? Okay. Well, the, um, the book's available uh, online, Amazon, or any of your favorite booksellers if uh, um, you still have a corner store, bookstore that you can walk into. They can get it for you as well. Um, uh, learn more, join us, join the conversation at our website, andyandal.com. And the only thing complicated about Andy and Al is that I spell Andy, A-N-D-I-E. So A-N-D-A-L.com. And we'd love to hear from you, all of you. I'll and sure I don't put... have an opinion about that. <laughs> I'll be sure to put the links for all this in the show notes. Thanks to you both for having a productive conversation with me today. Thank, Thank you. you. Really appreciate appreciate your happiness. Okay. Sure. Bye-bye. Big thanks to uh, Andy and Alton for joining me on the podcast today. You can find all of the relevant links and show notes in the app you're using to listen to this podcast right now if you're doing that, but also at productivityist.com slash podcast for nine one the other thing that you can do while you are listening to this in your podcast app of choice is subscribe to the podcast that's one way to support the show and make sure that you don't miss a single episode of what's to come and easily search through the archives another way to support the show is to check out the sponsors you heard during today's conversation just go to productivityist.com podcast sponsors to check them out and then that, that way they know that we sent you there until next time i'm mike vardy the host of a productive conversation reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.